Don't you wish there were do-overs in life where you could wipe the slate clean and do things differently? Actually, when you become a Christian, something like that happens. The old is gone, and you are a new person. Hear all about it on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You As you look back on your life, maybe you're ashamed of what you used to be. You lived a life that involved drugs, violence. You were quick to get angry, too. But here's the good news. If you're a Christian, you are no longer identified by your past. You are a new creation in Christ. That's how God sees you and how you should see yourself. That's our focus today on Abounding Grace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we've been looking at our calling as servants of Jesus. As we continue today, Pastor Ed Taylor has us consider how God changes us from the inside out. There was a season back in California when I was serving at the Calvary Chapel before here that there was a season, many, many months, where my motivation in serving and doing well was to impress the pastor, to get his attention in a church of six, 7,000 people. I'm like, man, I want to serve with that man. So I think the only way to serve with that man is to get his attention through my much service. Um, I was so messed up, just in case it makes you feel better, um, just know how messed up I was and am today, but not this bad. I took Bible classes. Um, They had a little school. It wasn't official or anything. And that very first class I took, it was the Book of Romans. We used the book Warren Wiersbe that um, that put out. um, And I took the test and I got... Straight A's, A plus, A plus. That's, that's what I was shooting for. Because I figured that Pastor Jeff, if he saw my A plus, if somehow they must, he must see the grades. And if he sees the grades, then uh, he sees the A plus, A plus, then that certainly will be a man that uh, they would mentor or pour into or whatever. That was my thinking. I was still a new believer, just still had a lot of the world in my mind. But here's the thing. I cheated in Bible class. I did. Before I got saved, cheating was nothing to me. That's all I did. I spent more time cheating than I did doing the right thing. And there was still part of that flesh in me in those early days wanting to... I think I was born again. I believe I was born again. I loved God. God was doing great work in me. And then what does he do as you grow up? He starts to identify things in your life. I had to humble myself before the teacher. I had to tell him what I did. Because I couldn't carry that around. And he says, oh, Ed, you're just growing in the Lord. I started to learn grace. I started to learn that uh, this church, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience with church, but I started to learn that the church I was a part of, they didn't condone it, they didn't approve of it, they didn't say, Ed, you're such a good cheater, keep on, you know. (laughs) They acknowledged it, they accepted my uh, repentance, and I I learned very early on that uh, what grace was looking like and what kind of congregation I was a part of, where they wanted me truly to grow in the Lord, and and, um, you know, Pastor Jeff never looked at the, at the uh, grades. And, and he was just seeking the Lord, and he expected me to seek the Lord. And you know what happens when you both seek the Lord? You end up in the same place. We'll often draw that, draw that picture for married couples that are frustrated and fighting with one another. We'll draw a triangle. And 
when they come into the office on that triangle, they're usually, at, we'll put their names on either, at the bottom or either side, and we'll show them that right now they're fighting one another. That's where they are in the triangle. And then up at the top, we'll, we'll put a cross or something or Jesus up there and we'll say, look, if one of you or both of you will begin to seek the Lord, as you're both seeking the Lord, you'll notice the distance between you gets shorter and shorter. You're not fighting anymore. You're growing in the things of God. And as you get, both get closer to the cross, not only do you get closer to the things of God, but you get closer to one another. It's the same in any relationship. And even as God is developing, and you know, I'm sure you look in your life this last six months and you look in the mirror and you go, there was just an ugly piece of the flesh God revealed to me. God doesn't condemn you. He revealed it to you forsake it, repent from it, and grow in grace. That's the process. And so now that you know that I'm a stinking rotten cheater many years ago, 20 years ago, um, you know, I'm very sensitive to that in my life right now. I don't want to cheat. I don't want to, I, I don't want to be in a place where the enemy could get a foothold in my life. I just don't want it. I want to walk in the spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And what is the greatest motivation to stay in the, in, in the place of good, wholesome, motivated ministry and service and anything that you do, you'll be a good employee, you'll be a good business owner, you'll be a good neighbor in your apartment building, you'll be a good person in your car, on the road, when you're motivated by the love of Jesus. First, his love for you, which melts you. Because I don't know, you don't deserve the love of God, neither do I. You can't come to here with a list of who you are and go, you know, and you, I hear you, and, and you don't deserve the love of God, but I do, because here's my resume, and here's what I've done to deserve God's love. And then I ask, well, why did Jesus need to die for you then? If you've got the resume of why you deserve, no, no, Jesus needed, needed to die. Like he said, we died once for all. He needed to die for all of us because we all needed his love and his grace. Back in Corinthians now, we all needed him. There's no one immune to that. I mean, even as we were singing today, we're singing in response to his love. We're singing about, you know, the, the, the list of songs tonight seemed to be a list that was motivated of coming to, to Jesus today with your hurt and your pains and your difficulties and your problems. That seemed to be a theme in the songs that were sung tonight. And you sing them by faith. You sing them Maybe you're not singing them. Maybe you read the lyrics. Or maybe you're just in a place tonight where you're listening to other people sing. But you're singing them as you're remem- remembering. You know, we sing songs about how God saved us. We sing, God's, we sing songs how God deserves our all. Like we sing today, I surrender all. We sing songs about God's goodness, his grace, his forgiveness. And it says in verse 15, remember, God died, or Jesus died for all so that we shouldn't live for ourselves anymore. Therefore, verse 16, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Basically, he's saying, I'm not going to judge anyone outwardly. It's so easy to judge a book by its cover. Literally. And we'll look at someone and immediately begin to size them up. Not just books, but people. We'll look at their outward appearance. Well, you know, look at that. Look at what he's wearing. Oh, look what she's doing. Look at that tattoo. Or look at that haircut. Or look what they're driving. Or look, what they, look at the color of their skin. Or We don't judge anyone according to the flesh. If they're saved, then we see Jesus in them. If they're unsaved, then we see their need for Jesus. Anything else is partiality and prejudice. And how easy it is to creep in. That's, what, that's where you get divided from people. You start to judge them. And the only thing that happens when you judge someone 
Well, there's two sides to that. But most of the time, this prejudging prejudice, that's what pre prejudging means, prejudice, on these outward things, is done in such a way so that the person doing the judging can feel better about themselves while putting someone else down in another category. Not seeing any of the difficulties in ourselves, we only pick, and pick at other people's difficulties and it makes us feel good. There is another type of prejudging, and that's the kind where there's some, and it is a habit, and it's just as bad, where they'll just look for people that are better than them so they'll put themselves down. The Bible would call that condemnation. They're both as bad. They're both sinful. Because you belong to God, the other person belongs to God, and the best thing to do is to no longer see anyone in the flesh, physically. But now we regard people as it relates to Jesus and what he's done. It'll revolutionize how you deal with people as you begin to pray for the eyes of Christ. You're living in Christ and you're seeing other people the same way. So even though we've known, it says in verse 16, Christ according to the flesh, even though we've known he's, he lived on the earth for three years, God in human flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. He is now risen. The work of salvation is complete. And we regard no one. Jesus died this so we wouldn't live for ourselves. And yet so many who are following Jesus do live for themselves. That's a step number one of following Jesus. He says, if you desire to follow after me, what? Deny yourself. And it requires us not to see ourselves in the flesh. All is lost when we live for ourselves. We miss out on so much. We miss out on the dynamic moving of God's spirit because selfishness both grieves and hinders the spirit's work in our lives. And yet, for those that live for him, no longer regarding people humanly for their human achievements, for their outward appearance, for all of the, the things that so easily trip us up. We're not interested in the flesh of man. We're not interested in credentials, temporary achievements. We're just interested in the person that Jesus died for. Man, when you lose your life, Jesus says, you'll gain it. Very simple in our lives, except so hard. So how? How does that look then? What do we do? Verse 17. Therefore, here's his conclusion. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is so glorious to consider the work of Jesus in our lives. We are believers in Jesus right now. This is yours. We are literally a new creation. You could say that, and you can insert your name, the old Ed is dead. That's what the Bible says. God has done that work. That's what Jesus means when he says to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. This isn't a combination of two lives. This isn't taking whatever years of your past and then patching it up with a few new behaviors, a few new habits. This is literally God changing you and me from the inside out. That work is done at the moment of salvation. And the difference between us and our spiritual lives and our spiritual growth right here among us now, those out on the radio listening in or on the internet, the difference is how long you've lived truly believing this truth. For some, it's the, probably the first time you've heard it. So now you have an opportunity to believe it because your behavior is going to directly come from what you believe. How you and I act will speak directly to what we believe. The old things have passed away. Doesn't mean they disappeared. This isn't as if you don't have a past anymore, that if we went and did a search, all the records, all the criminal records, they're gone. No, no, no. There are consequences to bad decisions. God doesn't just wipe all the consequences away and give you a brand new identity, put you in the witness protection program and put you in another place. 
There are consequences for past decisions. Over time, God does heal them and change them, but this doesn't mean that you don't have a past. It means your past has been redeemed, and the moment you were born again, your past no longer has a hold on you. You're a new person. You're not identified by your past. I'm always reminded, when I think of this, you can just jot it down. We don't have a lot of time to go into it, but I always think of Rahab. What's her last name in the Bible? Rahab the harlot, yep. You know the Rahab I'm talking about. There's only one. Rahab the harlot. But I don't believe if you and I, when we get to heaven, and we say, you know, I was reading the Bible, and I was just thinking I want to meet Rahab. And you're like, yeah, you don't know where she's at. You know, you know, Peter's over there, long line. Jesus, a big long line with Jesus. Moses got, you know. And you go, where's Rahab? Hey, Rahab the harlot! <laughs> you know, I could always, you know, the angel's going to come with one of his wings and slap you down, man. <laughs> she's not Rahab the harlot anymore. She's Rahab the saint. She's not identified by her past. Because although she died prior to the coming of Jesus Christ, she died in faith, hoping for Messiah to come. And when Jesus did come and die, and he rose again and ascended into heaven, the Bible says that he took all those Old Testament saints with him. That salvation is complete, so now Rahab the harlot is Rahab, you know, our sister. Rahab the clean. Rahab the godly woman. She's not identified by her past, but there are some of you still, you identify yourself by your past. Whether you verbalize it or it's just in your mind. And, and one of the reasons is, is because some of you have such a bad past that in this world, it will not go away. You'll go for a job. They'll do a little work on you and find, oh, you can't work here. Why? Well, I see what you did in 1999. And you're like, it's 14 years ago. I'm not that person anymore. I go to church. I, I'm a different person. You look at my record, it's all clean. You say, no, 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 that disqualifies you. And it will always disqualify you from this particular job and you walk away just so discouraged because now something 14 years ago is just as real today as it was 14 years ago. But it doesn't mean verse 17 is not true. <laughs> it just bums you out. You would, now you, if you know, knew then what you know now, you wouldn't have done it to begin with. Of course. But that's a part of the testimony that God's weaving into your life. The truth is when you don't get that job is you need to take out a three by five card and go, I am a new creation in Christ. This dude doesn't understand it. And so, Lord, just lead me to a job that God will give you. You'll give me a chance because I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're literally a new creation. By faith, you're a new person, period. You either believe this first or you don't. You have a new identity. But so few followers of Jesus believe in this and live from this truth. Some of you are living even now that you don't believe this, that when you were born again, you were immediately changed, that you think you have to change everything. You think you have to work hard to please God. You think that you've got to break all the bad habits. You think it's all on you, and so you're wiped out. Not only are you struggling with sin, but you're struggling with the inability to overcome sin because you're trying to do it in your own flesh. So now you've got to double, triple, and you live that way long enough, and it's just defeated, sad, condemned believers because you don't believe that you're a new creation in Christ, that if, you know, you know, I think of the most excellent way, a lot of the people that are serving the most excellent way, we walk alongside of them because we have to teach them this truth. It's just that simple. God has delivered you from alcohol, drugs, and everything else. All you need to do is believe it. And from that belief, will be, your behavior will follow. Now, you know, we tell you to go home and flush all your drugs, and, and we tell you not to go into the bars, and those are all helpful but when you truly understand you're born again and you're a new creation, 
You can go anywhere you want. You can do anything you want. Because the power of God resides in you. Because you're a new creation. And that stuff has no hold on you anymore. Could it be a temptation? Sure. You know, we're all tempted. Temptation is not sin. The enemy will still just poke and prod and try to jack you up and, and hurt you. But, if, but I know that when temptation comes, the way out is I'm a new creation. I've been walking with the Lord for 20-something years, 22 years now. And 22 years of God impressing this truth in my life. Because many of you do believe this truth and you behave according to what you believe. You have found victory and you have learned this truth that victory is yours. You don't fight for victory. Victory is already yours in Jesus Christ. You accept it the same way you accept salvation. It's a gift. You want victory right now? Right now. You go, Ed, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. Here's my counsel. Same counsel. Stop struggling and stop trying. Victory is yours. Believe God. I could tell you the answer. Some of you are already saying it in your head. Yeah, but. No, there's no buts on this one, man. Just you believe God today for the moment, for the moment. Yeah, but you don't understand. When I go home, you're not home yet. You're right here. Believe right now. Well, what would I do when I get home? Well, believe every breath till you get home. And then when you get home, believe then too. Trust God. Now, some things are not so simple. There are aggravating and mitigating factors and temptations and proddings, but it doesn't change the truth. But we could take these aggravating things in our lives and they become, and it's a whole other Bible study, excuses of why not to obey God. And then we have to deal with the consequences of disobedience on top of everything else. The reason you're sitting here, the reason you're tuned in on the Grace FM right now, the reason why you're listening to Bible study is because you chose to. That's a pretty powerful thing that God has given you, the choice. Of all the things you could have done in this very moment, you chose to present yourself to Bible study. And you know what the Bible says? God promises us that when we present ourselves to him, we draw near to him. You know what he says? I'll draw near to you. It's yours. So I love this verse. You need to hold on to it. We could do a whole Bible study on it, but let's finish up the chapter and see now where Paul's taking us. Verse 18, now, he says, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Verse 21 is another way of saying verse 17. They go together. And in between is this ministry of reconciliation. First, God gives us the example. He reconciled us to himself when we didn't even want to be reconciled. We didn't even desire it. So many of us were fighting God, not wanting anything to do with God. And God initiated reconciliation. So now, now that we are, reconciling just means to bring back together. And what's he reconciling? The relationship that was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Before they chose to sin against God, they had sweet relationship with God. We're not told a lot about it, except that it was really cool for them. And when they sinned, they lost a lot. And they spiritually died in that moment. And from Adam and Eve, you have two sinners now. 
when their first baby was born, you know what he was? A sinner. Because two sinners can't produce anything else. And now that's the heritage all the way to you and I. So what was God reconciling? That relationship back in the beginning of time. Bringing us, man, back into sweet fellowship with him. Hey, thanks for joining us today for Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor just finished 2 Corinthians 5, and this is his message called A New Person in Jesus. You can hear it online at calvaryco.church. Pastor Ed, you showed us today that believers are new creations in Christ. The old has passed away. But maybe someone listening right now is having difficulty getting past the past. Maybe they feel sort of crippled by what they've done in their B.C. days. Would you leave them with some encouraging words? I can, Larry, because this is part of my testimony. I lived many years of my life in a rebellious attitude toward God, in a disobedient attitude toward God. And I have many things as I look back in my B.C. days. And by the way, anyone listening in and may not be familiar with the phrase B.C. days, it's just simply B.C. is referring to before Christ, before your life, before you were born again, before Christ apprehended your life. So you, you could say that was your past life, your unbelieving life. And I don't want you to be crippled by all the sin that you committed before you were a believer, because, you know, you did it in ignorance and unbelief. Um, and I know that sometimes the decisions we made, sinful decisions, carry on. You are a new creation in Christ, but your brain is still the human brain that you had. And so your brain remembers things, holds things against you. Your brain accuses you. Uh, you. You begin to regret and beat yourself up over, over things that you can't change. But rather, God's doing a new work in your life. And the best thing to do, especially when it comes to people, is to make every attempt possible to make it right with those people and to apologize and ask for their forgiveness. And as you do that, as you walk in the newness of life, you don't need to be crippled by your past, because I know I know that that phrase, you know, that cliche that we use, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have made the same mistakes. It's true, isn't it? If we knew Jesus then, like we know him now, we wouldn't have done those things. But through our bad decisions, we lived a life of resistance and rebellion. And, and, you know, sometimes the consequences carry on with us. And it's unfortunate. But God is great, and he's faithful, and he's good. And we are so, we're so encouraged that he would love us and that he would be on our side in Christ. So look to him. And by the way, on our app... We have a series. This is such an important part of the Christian's life that we did. I did a series of Bible studies that I'd entitled Being Free from Your Past. And if you go to our app on any app store, just put in Calvary Church, Ed Taylor, or Calvary Aurora, A-U-R-O-R-A. Our apps will pop up. They're free to download. The Calvary Aurora app has a series right on the homepage called Free from Your Past, and I'd encourage you, be strengthened by God's Word. Um, we put those studies together just for a person that's feeling what you're feeling and going through what you're going through, and be released by the truth of God's Word. So look for this series, Free From Our Past. It's available through our app, and that can be found in the App Store or Google Play when you search for Calvary Aurora. 
You can also listen through our website at calvaryco.church. Thank you for your support of Abounding Grace. It does make a difference. Your donation will serve to help us bring these daily studies to your station and many others like it every day. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the Word of God to help them grow by God's abounding grace. And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Contented in All Things Peace by Jeff Guype. Maybe you've noticed many Americans today lack true contentment. No matter how much they have, they're always wanting more, bigger, better. But that doesn't have to be the case for you. And in Contented, Pastor Jeff Guype helps the reader find peace in all things and get on the path to contentment in Christ. Here's where to reach us, 877-30-GRACE, or turn to calvaryco.church on the web. That's 877-30-GRACE and calvaryco.church. Glad you've taken time out for our study. We'll bring you more from Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 2 Corinthians next time on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.